Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, welcome to the podcast. And we have a guest today, which I'm going to lay off to Evan to introduce him. All right. Today we have, uh, for one, a, a very, very close friend of mine on the show who uh, is an entrepreneur. He was a 30 under 30. He is a motivational speaker and accessibility advocate. This guy is probably going to be the mayor or something <laughs> <laughs> here at some point. Um, so we have, and founder of the cube principle, which I'm sure we'll get into, which is part of your public speaking or you, and your motivational speaking. Yeah, you got it. Um, but before, why don't I say your name? Sure. Marco Pasqua on the show. So thanks guys. Thanks for having me here today. I'm really excited to talk about this because, uh, like Evan said, with us being friends, it's not like we go and we, we really delve into the topics of what we do, the nitty gritty of what we do for work. Uh, but it's nice that we can take it from this perspective. And Brandon, I've also known forever as well, I, probably since I was about 18 or 19 years old. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm 31 now, so quite some time. And uh, really, really excited because I'm, I'm pumped for you guys because I know how talented you are. And this show is an awesome platform in the way that you've structured it. So. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> which is like almost no structure at all. <laughs> which is sometimes the best way to do something. Yeah. We find a balance. Um, you know what I think would be really great, Marco, is if you kind of started off with telling a bit of your story. Like sure. How things kind of came to be. So, sure. you know, let the audience get to know you a little bit. And, no problem. Um, yeah. I don't know. Start wherever. Like, um, sure. Things really kind of take off for you in your direction in life. Yeah, well, for the view, uh, for the listeners, rather, I was just going to say viewers, uh, you can't see this, uh, but uh, <laughs> I was born with a disability, cerebral palsy, and I actually use a wheelchair for the majority of the time to get around. And, uh, you know, because of that and because of having cerebral palsy, it gave me an opportunity to see life in a different lens, uh, give myself the opportunity to have a different perspective on the world. And I really, truly believe that that's what's uh, enabled me to be the person that I am today. Uh, you know, I could go on forever about the different industries I was involved in, like the game industry and all that stuff, but that's not important. What I did know, what I did gather from all of this is that I wanted to do more than just your standard status quo to give back to the world. And entrepreneurship was definitely not the first thing that came across the table. Uh, that's why I say the game industry, I, I went through that whole process, got a degree as a video game designer, thinking that I could create worlds that were so much more vast and beyond our own and create characters with abilities that surpassed my own. And maybe that piqued my curiosity. Mm. But then I thought as an entrepreneur and as a speaker, maybe I could share elements of my story while also teaching people the system I created or the framework called the Q principle. It's an acronym that's stands for creatively utilize your best energy. And in short, it essentially just comes from the aspect of wanting to share with people how I've found my success in a framework that works for me and potentially could work for them. But it's nothing new. It's just the way that I've structured it or organized it that makes sense for me. And that's where we are today. Well, great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you've always been, uh, ever since I met you, you've always been someone who's really inspirational and very passionate. And uh, you're always like, looking and thinking and finding new ways to like, um, see things and take things on and implement them. So I think this will be really good for our listeners because, 
you know, applying that, um, just like what you were telling us before the call, just applying that and figuring out how to connect with people and how to get yourself through doors or meet big people and whatever. Yeah. 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 And the, the cool thing about the Q principle is that it literally can be applied to any aspect of your life. As I was saying before we went on the recording here, um, it could literally be something as small as uh, wanting to prepare yourself to be more organized before a job interview. Up, upwards and including uh, wanting to meet that special celebrity that you've really had a connection with or perhaps you really think you have so much synergy with that person that you want to work as a creative professional with them. Mm. And I, I think that that would be really valuable to your listeners because, I mean, that's what this whole podcast is about is really approaching things creatively as uh, creative professionals and, and seeing how you can really make a profound impact in the world. At least that's what I get from my perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we a lot on the show about you know um about collaborating but also you know when you're when you're working within certain industries that have certain demands Mm -hmm. but you know as um as people who are creatives and are artists and you know you have your your own sets of passions and beliefs and things how to yeah find that synergy and bring those things together yeah um which you know is is not always easily done or people don't always really know how to how to approach that you know it's difficult because i think that everyone based on the perspectives that they all bring in their life um they have certain circumstances that have happened to them before that pinnacle moment of whatever it is they're trying to achieve um that shapes who they are and that also shapes the way that they decide to do certain things it it shapes um the way that they react to certain things and what i've learned is that you can control your reaction but you can't always control the outcome of something so even yeah. though we may not be pleased with the outcome of something initially, we can choose the way we react to that situation. And I'm guilty of not following my own advice from time to time because <laughs> after all, we're human. Mm-hmm. And I think that it would it'd be not human for you to say that you don't have a bad day. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to learn from those days and learn from every one of those experiences and who you're connecting with. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, in one of our last podcasts, we were talking about, I don't know if it was the last one or it was a few before, but we were talking a little bit about how important it is to have connections in whatever industry you are. Like sure. the people you know is so important. Yep. And I, you know, from a filmmaking producing side of, side of things, I, I get in conversations with people all the time. We're like, oh, well, you know, you can't get a name or it's so hard to get a name or, you know, I, I don't have this and connect with this person and whatever. And I was hoping that you could help demystify that a little bit because, it actually is not as hard as people like to make it out to be. Like, especially right. in the film industry, like really a lot of it is just going out, reaching out to people, connecting with them, talking to them and being kind of a cool person <laughs> and having something to offer totally. and not expecting anything from them. And a lot of things kind of happen about that. And I, I thought, you know, that the way, like maybe because, you know, people can hear it from us as much as they want, sure. but I think hearing it from other people's perspectives yeah. and other industries can help like, go, oh, okay, I get hit over the head with this enough. Yeah. I can see it's true, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, for those of you who are, you know, into the business industry, there's a uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and he talks a lot about, uh, giving without expectation. And it's something that I, I really, really get behind, yeah. uh, because the way in which I've been able to meet some of the people I've met in my life is simply by approaching things creatively and doing it with not the status quo of, for example, uh, you guys know, I met Michael J. Fox recently and it was simply because I wanted to give back to his uh, local golf tournament. Now, Mike is a guy I've wanted to meet forever because I'm a huge fan of back to the future, 
but I didn't want to overwhelm him and his people with just that, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so as far as developing yourself and making a name for yourself, take that out of the equation for just two seconds. Because if you're doing something of value, if you're giving without expectation, you will develop that name for yourself because mm-hmm. you'll be known as, the key word here is an authentic person. Right. And I found that in the interactions that I've had with uh, guys like Michael, it was simply that. Uh, I didn't approach his PR person. I approached my aunt, who I knew had uh, connections within the city of Burnaby. Mike's from originally the city of Burnaby, and the city of Burnaby hosts his golf tournament every year. Now, I had to be persistent. Persistent. And there's a difference between persistence and annoyance mm-hmm. when you're communicating with somebody. Right. But just because you send an email out to somebody, doesn't matter if they're a friend or family member or whoever, a colleague, just because they don't get back to you within the first email doesn't mean you should give up and just say, well, I guess they weren't interested. Mm-hmm. No, I found some of the things that for me, the secret sauce is the third or fourth email. Sometimes it takes two or three follow-ups before the person says, wow, this person really is hungry. They really do want this. They want this to be a part of their life. What can I do in order to help them reach that goal? Mm -hmm. And that's what I found with this is that they weren't thinking I was approaching them as a speaker and that I wanted to be on this public stage. They finally had their PR person call me and say, what is it that you'd like to do? I said, anything. Volunteerism. (laughs) I just want to be at the opportunity to say thank you to a guy like Mike because after acquiring a disability with Parkinson's, He continued to inspire me, and he was already inspiring me before that, but he continues to inspire me with the way in which he chooses to approach the world and approach life. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to have that moment to say thank you. Well, after I explained that, after I got past that gatekeeper of what is email and was able to explain that, the guy was just blown away. And he said, well, I could have given you an easy volunteer job where you're just, you put your arm up every time somebody gets a hole in one, but that's boring. Based on what you're telling me, I need to get you somewhere where you're really going to have an opportunity to share that message with Mike. And so he says, we have 18 holes, but because of Mike's condition, he does tend to get tired around the 18th hole. What would you say if I put you at the second hole of the tournament? That would guarantee you to see Mike, and the rest is up to you. You know, you can put yourself out there. The one thing I ask is, would you be willing to be a hole sponsor? And, you know, we kind of exchanged details back and forth of what that would entail, how much money that would cost. And it was well worth it Mm -hmm. because now I was able to be at this event, give back financially to a cause that I believe in, give back my time to a cause that I believe in and meet a man that I've looked up to my entire life. And it wasn't just a throwaway conversation. We talked for about 15 minutes. And you know what? Not to say uh, or to build up on myself or anything, but after when we were talking just before he took his swing on the hole, he said, Marco, you know, you're an inspirational guy. And truly, in this 15 minutes you had to talk with me, you've inspired me. I don't really care what results out of this, whether knowing Mike or having a couple photos with him really makes me or or ups my social value, but I know I was able to achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. And I know I was able to check, check that off the list. And for all the listeners, that's really what should matter. What is it that you're trying to accomplish as a professional, whether it's for creative purposes or just personal purposes, and who do you have in your social network that can help you get there? Again, giving without expectation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's like, I think that there's so many, like there's so many like sort of little pieces of wisdom that are within that. Like I'm sure like giving without expectation is one of those, those pieces. And this is sort of what we actually loosely said, we'll make this, (laughs) this talk about before we started. But, um, I I think that there's, that's one of those things that like, you know, the, the more you, you really start to commit to that idea, um, the more it, it 
reveals how true it is in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that immediately comes to me is like this idea of giving without expectation is for others, like when you don't put an expectation on it, it takes a lot of the pressure off Yeah. too, you know, where you're just like, Oh, I've got to write the perfectly worded letter or I've got to do like the most, com- you know, compelling piece of action that, that I can possibly think of. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, we talk about how you don't even really know what that is. No, you can never really know what that is anyhow. No. So, but what you can control is what you can give. Yes. And, and which is why it's just such a great, it's, it's just such a great juicy thing <laughs> for people to like wrap their heads around. Well, and that's the whole point behind the cube principle. There's all those different aspects of creatively. So creative approaching uh, of situations, utilizing as, as far as utilizing your network and who can help you reach that, whether it is writing that perfect email or cover letter or whatever, or that perfect script. Uh, and the, the best, the B is for best. And that's, um, getting your best version of yourself out there, remembering that you're not perfect and that in order to be your best, sometimes it's about, uh, owning up to your faults. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the E is obviously energy, right? And that's the kind of energy and body language that you're presenting, uh, when you're in face to face interactions, but also I'll open up to the listeners. I am not very great when it comes to interview skills. Uh, when it comes to, because here's the thing, I'm a, I'm a very loud and boisterous Italian guy, especially when there's a little bit of, uh, of pressure on me, I get very energetic and there's a sliding scale. I don't have to go into the details of the, of this, but essentially where you want to be is that assertive energy. And that's the energy where your body language is reflective of your shoulders are back. You're confident in the things that you're saying. And the person who's listening to you doesn't see a disconnect between your body language and what you're saying, Mm. because subconsciously, as we're looking through these things, we're picking up on these subtle nuances that are telling us there's not something really right or there's something off about this person I'm talking to. It's like that whole adage of a dirty car salesman. They say that they <laughs> want to give you the best deal possible and they go to shake your hand. But do you think these people really do care about you as a person? Maybe they do in some cases, but in most cases, they're trying to make that sale for their commission. So it's about finding the middle ground of being the authentic you knowing what that is and knowing that it's okay that if that's different than your neighbor, Mm. right? Because everyone has a different way of being authentic. Right. And I, I shared, I tweeted a, uh, a post today about millennials and how there's over 70 million, I believe on LinkedIn millennials and how advertisers are having a real tough time marketing to millennials. Why? Because we're not the same as our parents' generation. We're part of a generation that is used to being in a world with the internet. We're part of a generation that is able to skip past commercials and skip past general advertisements. So how do you advertise to us? And at the end of the article, I had this really great smile on my face when I read it because it came back to authenticity. Mm. And it's because our generation can sense that BS from a mile away, even more than our parents' generation. And I want everybody who's listening today to remember that. It doesn't doesn't matter in what outlet you're trying to deliver, whether it's an email, face-to-face conversation, phone conversation, in person, be yourself. You know, we're going to pick up on that more than anyone. And uh, newsflash, millennials are essentially the ones that are leading the world right now. It's up to us to be in those leadership positions to bring this place, whatever that happens to be, to the level that we want it to be. <laughs> to a level of authenticity. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And I think a, a big part of it is is actually for us learning what, what that really is. You know, like, because I think also, like you're saying, like, we, we 
do have sort of a, a BS meter that is quite quite high, quite acute. <laughs> yes. Um, and and we have a fairly low tolerance for it. Um, but what, what's what's interesting to me about that is that we still came from a place of, we still have a lot of, of sort of external pressures that we feel. Sure. We have a lot of concepts of, of what being an authentic person is. <laughs> and even some of those concepts are really not what authenticity is even, even really all about. No. So can you, what can you speak of a little bit of, about like sort of getting in touch with who you authentically are and, and putting that out there? Well, I'd say take a pause and ask yourself what your values are. Uh, a man I used to work with in another business uh, said this quote, I don't know where it came from, is know your values and know your value. And those are two different things, but they mean very strong things. Uh, know what you value in this world, but know the value that you bring to this world. And so if that takes meditation, if that takes writing in a journal, if that takes um, self-reflection, whatever methodology that works for you, Take the moment to say what really fires you up in this world. You know, don't lie to yourself and say that it's fame and fortune because, hey, that may be a motivator for some people, but that's the end goal. It's not necessarily the thing that drives you to that point. You know, it's hard because we live in a world with the, and I'm not, you know, calling him out or anything, but Justin Bieber's of the world where, (laughs) where here's a guy that was a victim of his own success. Because he was launched into stardom much before he even knew what stardom was, based on his natural born given talents. And of course, we've seen in the media, and I'm not going to uh, you know, drag this out of the things that he's gone through, but it's natural when you're being forced to be in the public eye like that to go through these situations where you, know, you feel like you have to live up to a certain stand- standard or status. And at the end of the day, you know, it's really great to live up to those things, but as for the people that are on the outside looking in, we think to ourselves, well, geez, Justin's only in his early to mid twenties. If we're not at that age range, we're probably doing something wrong because if we haven't reached his plateau, his success standard, it means we're doing something wrong. Hmm. Well, that's incorrect, right? It just means you're on a different path than this person. And it takes the time to sit back and say, does that really matter to me? And what are my values and how is the best medium for me to share that with the world. So yeah. if you're a writer, if you're an actor, if you're a teacher, what is the best way for you? For some, it could be uh, writing a, a blog post. For others, it could be doing a vlog. For others, it could be doing a podcast. Whatever creative method works for you, go with that. Yeah. And if you find after a while it's not working, your body will tell you that. Much like you have a conscience and you say, something's not right about this. You know, we all choose to ignore that or not, but it does tell you. And eventually you can pump the brakes and say, I'm going to switch gears. And it doesn't matter if what I set out on isn't working anymore. And I put so much time and effort into it and it's just not working. Hmm. It doesn't matter. It means that it wasn't supposed to work. It's time to move on. Yeah. And it leads you to whatever, whatever is next. That's right. And, and being, being open to that. Yes. I mean, for, for yourself, like you, like you went, to school, you invested, you know, like a, a good sum of money to go to school for, for video game design. Yep. And you worked in the industry for a number of years thereafter. Yep. And you eventually hit a place where it was just like, it was not, 
it was not working anymore. You know, it it was uh, it was a side of myself that I still connect with in sort sort of the gaming industry aspect of things, but it didn't speak to me. And I thought to myself, I was actually artificially creating this barrier of the things that I was going to be able to deliver to the rest of the world before I died. And I don't know when that day is going to be, but I do know that I, I, I strive for so much more. I strive for making real connections with people in a way that the game industry wasn't offering me to do that. And, and people weren't getting to know the real version of me because I was becoming a drone. I was just another number. I don't want to be another number. Uh, Evan, you've heard me say this before in the past. You're only as good as the last person that remembers you. And uh, that is a quote that I love because it's true. Uh, You know, we can do all these social media things and get our name out there and, whoa, look at us, aren't we so special? But if we have a technological blackout within the next five or ten years or ever for that matter and we're relying on only digital information about who we are, well, sorry, but you might as well light a library on fire because all that information is gone now. So you're going to live on in the memories of the people that truly remember what you did to help them and the Mm -hmm. rest of the world. And maybe uh, I look at myself and I always say this as a realist or an optimist. It's a little bit of both. I understand that you can't always live with life uh, as uh, rainbows and lollipops, but I like to look (laughs) at things as let's try to approach things from the best foot that we can and say to ourselves, are we delivering what we want to deliver as our message to the world? And that can be anything for anyone. Hmm. That's good. You know, I want to go back to the sure. part of cube where you're talking about best. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> and we, cause we went on to authenticity a little bit from yeah. there. Yeah. And I think um, when people hear the word best or, you know, to be the best or your best, they, they think of it as comparison. And I think sure. that's where the authenticity gets polluted. You know, it's um, yeah. because you, it's your best. It's, it's the best that you can do in this moment. It's not about whether you're better or worse than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important thing for people to realize because, um, you know, I think like people go, well, I need to be here and then I can have this thing I want. Right. That is a delusion. That's false. Right. In fact, all you really need to do is be you may, you may need to build some skills, yeah. but mostly I think what people need to understand is you need to bring the best that you have. And I, we're talking about millennials being able to catch, catch on and our generation as well. And I think what happens is we can sniff out agenda so, yeah. so quickly, yeah. you know, we sniff it out. And I think the best way to, um, to, to not let agenda pollute your authenticity and, right. and stop you from being your best is to simply either leave that agenda behind and, and let go of needing it or just say, listen, I'm talking to you because this is what I want. And That's you right, get that yeah. right out of the way. And cause once, once everything's on the table, it, it, no one feels like anyone's hiding anything. No, you know? exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, it, it's great to have an agenda as far as an understanding of where you want to go in life. That's more so a, a, a map a map, a framework of where you want to be. But it doesn't mean that it's inauthentic if you have an agenda as far as knowing what that goal is. That's simply being driven. Right. Okay. And so going back to that, it's about your PB. It's not about, and by that I mean personal best, right? It's uh, <laughs> yeah, peanut, peanut butter. It's all about that peanut butter, um, you know, and some jelly. Um, but no, it's, it's about, uh, you know, I have an athletic background in doing track and field, uh, wheelchair track and basketball and stuff. And for me, those were a lot of team sports track wasn't because track was about your pb and i wasn't the fastest track uh wheelchair track star and i discovered along the way that maybe that wasn't the 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 sport that was gonna i was gonna strive in but that's okay as long as i could look at where i came from from when i started 
then that was an achievement in itself. Mm. People look at goals as this big, uh, grandiose thing that they are never going to reach because they look at it as, oh man, I got to go from where I want to be to where I need to be to where I should be. And that's not really the case. You need to take that bigger goal and say, well, what are the miniature steps that I can take and count those as achievements? Mm -hmm. As soon as you count those things. So for example, somebody wants to write a script. They say, well, I'm never going to write a 200 page script or whatever, because I don't have the time for that. But if you break down that process to say, I'm going to write five pages a day, I'm going to write 10 pages a day. Heck, just write a page a day. Mm -hmm. If you wrote a page a day, by 365 days, you'd have 365 pages. You're done. That means in one year, you have your script. And you have an epic. Yeah, you've got <laughs> one hell of an epic. Yeah, yeah. So, a trilogy. There you go. Yeah. So, you may not be the next token, but, but you might have something. I don't know yeah. the quality of it. Yeah. But the point is, is break down those tasks. And that's also a portion of the creative aspect is understanding what it means to break those things down and know that you're not setting yourself back by breaking it down. Yeah. And celebrating and yeah, and really celebrating those victories is something we've talked about on this show before. And, and even something that I've talked about, which, um, you know, myself and Kat have, has started doing, which we took from you mm-hmm. and your wife, mm-hmm. um, which is to, to celebrate our wins every, every month, you Good. know, to really count these things because very often we don't, we don't acknowledge these great things that have happened for us because, you know, we, we do, we're caught up in this place that we're supposed to be Yep. this idea, this concept that we have in our heads of what our happiness and our success looks like. Sure. And it's just like, well, that, that's just, but that's just something that doesn't exist right now. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so like, like enjoy ourselves, you know, we, we always, we're always so good at being hard on ourselves. We're always so good at, at being able to see the things that we don't have as opposed sure. to the things that, that we do and the wins that we have had. And, and it's a really important part of, of the process in terms of, I totally agree. And I, I think that that's what makes up the general makeup of someone that really wants to strive to be their best version of themselves, to be a true leader is it's okay to understand that being hard on yourself isn't necessarily a bad thing too, but limit the times in which you're being hard on yourself because it's being hard on yourself that's giving you that drive to strive for something more. You never want to lose that. People ask me, do you still get nervous when you go and you do a keynote or you present to, to a class? And of course I do. What am I? I mean, of course I get nervous. I get the butterflies every single presentation I do. And it's because I care about what I do. Yeah. If you lose that fire, if you lose that passion, then what are you truly celebrating? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. You, you can do those small things. Like you say, uh, my wife and I, we, we crack open a bottle of champagne every month and say, what have we achieved this month? And you know, sometimes you know, you, you're hard on yourself and I'm guilty of it too. And we say, we didn't quite meet the mark of what we thought we would this month. And we stop and say, well, instead of throwing a pity party, can we take two seconds and say, yeah, but let's check off what we did do. Oh, okay. Well, we met this person. We held this event. We did this. And my wife and I are very similar as far as, far as our personalities go. Um, so we were very driven in the same ways. And as you stop to take those moments of reflection is when you realize you didn't miss the mark at all. <laughs> it's just that the mark in your mind was different than the mark that it should have been from the beginning, which right. was just accomplishing and achieving on that scale. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause sometimes the, yeah, the things, yeah, oftentimes we do get the things that, that we want. Sometimes we do get the things, but they just didn't 
I, I think that sometimes they just don't always appear to us or come to us in the way we thought they would. That's right. Manifestation is a really interesting thing. I'm not going to get into that topic like crazy today at all, but I'm a huge believer in the law of attraction and what you, what you think, or you've heard the quote before, um, you are what you think about most um, of the time. Right. And, uh, and it's so true. And I have to stop myself sometimes too, because, um, you know, I've got family members or extended friends who, who they always say, yeah, but you always have all these cool things that are happening to you. And, and for me, I mean, I, I, I just lost my job or, you know, things aren't going well. And I ask them very simply, but what are you focusing on? Hmm. Are you focusing on the fact that you just lost your job, that when you were waking up in the morning, you stubbed your toe and then the, then the water was cold and then you hit every red light? Yeah. In the second that you start to focus on those things, uh, you know, and you can think this is foofy or not, but the universe doesn't have a conscience. It will send you more of the same thing that you continue to say. So if you're thinking about those things constantly, you're going to get more of those things. It says, hey, you like those things? I'll send those more, more of those things to you. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. I'm not touching on religion. I'm not touching on any of that right now. I'm talking about there is a neural network that we don't even understand yet. How we connect as human beings. The greatest example is you're thinking of a friend you haven't talked to in months. Eight months, let's say. And all of a sudden, that exact day, maybe within the hour, that person calls you. People go, oh, wow, wasn't that a coincidence? It was not a coincidence. It was because we're connected in a way much like Wi-Fi, much like Bluetooth. We can't see what's happening and how we're connecting. But I guarantee you, within the next five years, we're going to understand the human race a lot more. We're going to understand how we're connected in a way in which we've never understood before. Mm -hmm. And it's the second that you can understand that you are an, an antenna to all those things, all those kinds of energy, all those kinds of people then you will start to shape your life in the way that you want. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, which is why I spend lots of time with you guys, because, <laughs> because you're great people, and I want to be more like that, right? Well, thanks for that. Thanks for that shout-out, dude. Um, well, you know what? It makes sense. I mean, the law of attraction and this magnetism and all that stuff, I mean, it makes sense. And I was talking about this in other podcasts, but I talk about it with story. You know, you wake up, you're late for work. Uh, you hop in the shower, it's cold, you get into traffic, there's an accident, you know, and you're more late for work and you're worried your boss can fire you like I'm having a terrible day. And you start telling that story. If you start telling that story, I'm having a bad day, how likely do you think it's going to be that you're going to look in the rest of your day for other bad events to reinforce the fact that you're having a bad day? That's what you're looking for. <laughs> of course, it's like yeah. if I say red Honda Civic, red Honda Civic, red Honda Civic, I want you to think about red Honda Civic. And you go out in the world and you just think about that. You're going to notice all these red Honda Civics and you're going to notice Honda Civics. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. It's and true. you're going to notice red cars, but you're going to really notice red Honda Civics. So and Honda, is, that's not a plug for you, but if you do want to send <laughs> Honda Civic, yeah. I'll drive yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, the, so the point is, is that, yeah, like there's, there's so many things going on. And the other thing too is we're constantly reading each other all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. And so if someone's smiling or they got a frown mm -hmm. or their, their head's down or their head up or their shoulders are back or yep. their sholdersers are forward those are all signals to us whether we want to approach that person whether we feel safe with them whether we decide how to connect yeah so the law of attraction and all that stuff like people think of it as like this big spiritual realm it's not there's no there's like a there's a science to it all there's a reasoning to why it all works the way it is sure and then 
if there is a spirituality to it, which we don't understand, sure, there could be, sure, but there's science that backs it all up. It kind of is undeniable. So I think like um, these are important things to carry forward because how you're being in your life is more important than just about anything. Yeah, absolutely. And how you're being is how you'll be perceived by others, right? But again, don't uh, forget the fact that you are going to be perceived through their lens of the world, mm-hmm. right? So if they're naturally a more negative person, then maybe they are going to pick out some of the things that some would consider flaws in themselves. But does it matter? No. No. Because essentially, if you want to attract a certain kind of person, be that kind of person. It's very simple. Yeah. It's extremely simple. Uh, you will attract, they say steel sharpens steel, like attracts like. I'm not trying to be a rotating thing of quotes today, but these are the, these are. We love them. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, and these are the things that I live my life by. Uh, and, and again, I'll get back to the fact that I don't always think that way, but it's about recognizing when you're not. And saying to yourself, whoa, 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 pump the brakes, right? Because, look, I'll be honest with everybody. It's like a a mechanic that never gets around to fixing his car. A painter that has trouble finishing that paint job in his own house. You know, sometimes we are guilty to to our own... Situations that bring us down and we and I find for myself that in helping others in mentoring others I cherry pick and find the things about the way in which I deliver information um, That I love and I want to focus more on those things and then I become a stronger speaker But more than that take out the professionalism of it. I become a better person And essentially that's what it's all about is it doesn't matter what industry you're in be that best person Understand your network uh, of people that you know. You'll be surprised at what people will drop in an instant when they know that they'll, they want to help you because, after all, they likely share the same philosophies that you do because they spend some time with you. Mm-hmm. And if you're a person who doesn't have a lot of friends, that's okay too. Okay? Look at yourself as an opportunity to break down the things that are pros and cons of yourself. You know, you don't have to go and do a SWOT analysis, right? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, all that stuff uh, of yourself. You know, you're not dissecting yourself. Um, but look at yourself. What are the type of people, people, if you don't have a lot of friends, that you want to attract in your life? And where do those people most frequent? You know, they say that people um, who want to be successful leaders look to the people that you want to be the most like. Okay, so if there's an entrepreneur that I really look up to, for example, one of the guys is um, Elon Musk or Mark Cuban. Now, of course, these are guys with big personalities and they're making a lot of money, but it's not the money aspect. It's more so looking at their career development. You go far back to a guy like Mark Cuban. He started out selling stamps door to door as a kid as a way to give up value to those stamps, not at face value, but maybe a little bit more. That's the uh, that's the framework of any kind of business. You know, you get a, uh, an object or something and you sell it for a little bit more than you made it. But anyways, the fact that he had the grind to go door to door and do this, same as guy like Elon Musk, it goes, well, if that system or that strategy works for them, then nine times out of 10, it's going to work for you too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to copy their life, but emulation is the greatest uh, method of flattery. And essentially, if you can find your own way to carve out what you want to do in this world in a similar fashion, chances are you're going to reach that definition of success. Right. Yeah. You know, we were just talking about uh, your network and the people, and maybe you have a lot of friends, maybe you don't have a lot of friends. Sure. I just want to point out that I've been on both sides of that spectrum uh, multiple times in my life and um, having a lot of friends and having a lot of connections is not as always a great thing and having very few is sometimes much better and my point is 
Um, you know, I, I remember at a period in my life, I had a lot of people around me, but they were, it was very superficial. Yep. I had a lot of users around me, a lot of people that, you know, they were kind of just benefiting off of me. But when sure. the cards were down, I got to kind of see what that was all about. Yep. Then when I didn't have so many people around, when a lot of people kind of I like to say fired themselves, you know, and I was like, man, like, who are my friends? Where am I at? I actually got to rebuild. So if you, if you're out there and you don't have this big network and you're like, I don't know anybody yet, just look at this as an amazing opportunity because I would say it's actually the best opportunity because you get to cherry pick and choose the type of people you You want. (laughs) You know, people who kind of come out of high school and their high school friends are still high school friends. It's a very rare in my opinion, in my observation that people have really genuine, true high school friends that are still their friends that have their back. When you do, I think that's like a really rare, special thing. But after high school and you become an adult, you actually, you don't get the kind of convenience of we show up to the same classes every day, you know, and and, and next semester we change some classes. So I make some new friends. You're kind of like a lot of people are in the same job, doing the same thing, meeting the same people. And then you get caught in this little bubble of your social circle. Sure. And so when we're talking about this networking thing, I just wanted to point out that you got to reach out of your little pond. You know, (laughs) you got, there's a big ocean out there There and you got to get out of that comfort zone and meet people because um, you know, I don't think we can, any of us can have these great things or have these great lives if we live in this little puddle of an existence. You, you got it absolutely correct. It's a uh, quality over quantity. And mm. everyone's heard that before. But, um, you know, to that end, you know, the, the ways in which you can meet people, I, I want to touch a little bit on networking groups. Sure. Okay, because it's something that uh, our generation really does a lot of, you know, with uh, websites like meetup.com, you can connect with people on any given topic that you have an interest in and connect with. When I first started my business going on five years ago now, I thought that was the one way that I was going to be able to expand my network in a way that I was going to be able to reach people um, in ways I hadn't before. And in going to these networks, there's a lot of things like rapid times networks and things like this or, or BNI groups, which are essentially those groups where you go in the morning breakfast and all this stuff. Those are great. I'm not slighting those in the, for certain people. Okay, it didn't work for me. And you know why? For the people who don't know what that is, essentially, it's a forced referral system. I hate using the word forced, but that's what I felt it was. You go to these things, you wake up at the crack of dawn, you go out to these things, and you represent whatever industry you are. So if you're a creative professional writer, you're, you're the writer in the group. For me, I was one of the speakers in the group. And it's okay, you know what everyone in this group represents. This guy's a plumber, this guy's a painter, this guy works for a jewelry store. By next week, I want you to come back and I have three references for each of these people that they could reach out to that are relevant to their industry. I'm sorry, but forced networking, that is no way to make real connections. That completely takes authenticity off the table. And I only went to one of those uh, meetups uh, uh, that were like that and said to myself, it's not the way for me because I found that the people that I was connecting with were just as hungry as I was to make those connections. But the greater thing that I learned is that there's three types of people in these groups, collectors, connectors, and jerks. <laughs> and, and I'm waiting for that third one. And it's, uh, <laughs> and it's very, very easy to, to break those things down. And that's not a term that I've coined. It's uh, from another speaker friend of mine, uh, but I love the way he breaks it down. And essentially, collectors are people that go to these groups and they get as many business cards as they can from people. And the reason being, they want to expand their LinkedIn profile because the more people you know on LinkedIn, the more people you can connect with and attach to. So maybe somebody knows this famous director and now you're only one degree of separation from that person. So you can send them a message. Well, congratulations because you haven't made a real connection with that person. So you collected all these cards, 
but do, what do you intend on doing with them? Mm -hmm. All right, connectors, that's where you want to be. Connectors are the ones that are going there. They don't know what the outcome is going to be, but they want to get to know each and every one of your backstories and say, hey, what can I do to truly help you? What maybe could you do to help me, right? And it's up to the other person to offer that up. It's two-way communication. And the last one is jerks. And jerks are those guys that I see a lot of them. You go to these networking groups, and before the, the stuff starts, they're there before anybody. And they place a card of theirs, their business card, on every single chair uh, that somebody's going to sit in. So that as you're going to sit down, you go, oh, what's this? And you see this card on your chair now. Okay, what am I supposed to do with this? They're jerks because they didn't even bother to, to go and collect that card. They simply just wanted to push their agenda or their information on and go, yeah, 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 but the, the key here is casting a wide net. And I might only get 5% return, but at least somebody might call me and say they want new drapes. I don't know, right? Like if that's their business, <laughs> mm -hmm. maybe that's what they want. And that's why you don't want to be that because essentially, as I said, and I'm going to drill it into people's minds, authentic connections, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's a degree to which like, you know, I can understand some of this, like what you're saying, cause it is to a degree of force thing. It's like, you know, Oh, try and make three, three connections for, for somebody or, or mm -hmm. three referrals or whatever, you know, for some people I can see how they would need that. They need that sort of that pressure, this feeling of an external pressure on them to, you know, go ahead and, and get this done because it's something that's maybe uncomfortable for them. Right. But I mean, we've talked about this that it's like, you know, fear, because it is kind of a fear thing, right? It's yeah. just like, oh, like, what if I don't get this done? I'm, people are going to look, you know, or say I, I didn't follow through and I right. blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it can work as a, it fear is a, an extraordinarily powerful motivator. But, you know, there's a point where it stops working. Yeah where the fear is no longer a motivator for you mm -hmm. and which is when then you still need to come back to this thing, which is obviously what you re you know, you came to at a fairly quick conclusion yeah. um, that it really, it does. It comes down to that authenticity, getting in touch with, with what that's all about. And what sure. do you really want to do? What do you really want to put out there? Yeah. How do you really want to be in the world? What kind of person do you want to be in the world? For sure. And you know, those types of groups, sorry to cut you off there, Brandon, yeah. really quick on this, those types of groups may work well for somebody who has a product uh, or a brick and mortar store. Okay. Because it's about selling quantity of product. When you're a creative professional, the first thing you're selling is you. Okay. So it's tougher to refer somebody, for example, to me. Oh yeah, I got this great motivational speaker, but if they don't <laughs> really know my story, how the hell are they going to sell me, man? Right? And so it's so much tougher. So that's why for guys like ourselves, it's really tough to be in groups like that because you have something that is a unique product or service that somebody can say it's a vacuum, right? It's a vacuum. It's a chocolate bar. It's whatever. Mm -hmm. It's different because how do you summarize somebody in a elevator pitch? You can't. But you can summarize what they can do for you. You can summarize what that is. But the best person to do that is you, mm -hmm. right? Nobody yeah. else. So that's at least what I learned. Well, I was going to say, uh, fear and laziness hold hands, yeah. you know, they're in love, right? And if show me a lazy person, I'll show you their fear. You know what I mean? Show me a scared person. I'll show you how lazy they are. They go hand in hand. And 
If you're fearful and you say you're scared, it's just justifying all the reasons why you can get away with being lazy. Totally. Right. And, um, if you're lazy, you're not acknowledging your fear. In, in my opinion, 99% of the time, that's the case because <laughs> the, the, what we can do as human beings is absolutely fascinatingly unreal. Like you can, you can, wherever the heck anybody is right now, you can get up right now. You can go travel and get on the other side of the world and go do whatever you want. Like sure. instantly you can create something, you can make something. There's books on everything you could start reading. There's videos on everything. There's yep. people who are like waiting for you to help, to get help you. You know what I mean? Yes. Like we can, we have everything. So, yeah. um, you know, so I think what, what happens is, you know, like with these referral things, which I've seen before is like, it's kind of, uh, you know, get people to do your work for you. Right. You know and I mean? that's the, the lazy approach. Yeah. And right. Yeah. No, people, people have broken down the word fear before many times, false evidence appearing real. Yeah. Right. That's you taking and deciding to take the lens of something and, and choose to look at it from your perspective. Right. But is it really what you fear or are you just telling yourself that story because you're being lazy about wanting to get to that final goal? Mm-hmm. Right. You're being your biggest barrier to, to getting there. Well, and I think also like when you don't have expectation on stuff, which is a big part of what we're talking about, we're giving without expectation, you know, you'll call someone up and say, Hey, you know, do you want to make a movie? And they might say, uh, no, I'm not interested. Okay. I always say, okay, no problem. (laughs) Do you know anyone else who's interested in making a movie? That's it. And that's what I do. Right. And it's like, um, and the thing is, is like my, my first initial question, I was talking about this with Evan, right? It's like, whatever you do, just ask them. That's the first question. I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch my dad. Uh, call people about real estate. He said, Hey, you know, Craig Cook, I'm calling to see, are you interested in buying or selling a house today? And I'm watching just call person after person after person. Sure. And some people would say, ah, why the hell are you calling me? Some people would say yes. But every time there's a problem, you say, no problem. Is there anyone, any of your friends, anyone else looking to buy a house? And, and you do it in a very compassionate, authentic yep. way. And yep. you know what? You, you generate, you generate leads and you can, and you know what? Sometimes that person might not even buy a house from you or make a movie or whatever, but you end up connecting with them. Yep. And I think when you don't have the expectation of it working out a certain way, wh- what is there to fear anymore? Oh, absolutely. Right. And it's understanding the strengths that you bring to those tables. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and being authentic in that way. Uh, one of the stories I've shared in some of my keynotes in the past, a very simple story. When I first came into the working industry, I got a practicum in high school uh, being a computer specialist at London Drugs. Okay, and being in a wheelchair, it's not always easy. In fact, I had a lot of convincing to do to the manager as to how he'd be able to hire me because one of the things you do as a computer specialist or as a stock boy is stock. Well, how are you going to do that if you have heavy boxes and you use a wheelchair and you got a wheel with these boxes? And I said, give me a week to prove my skills. If I can prove myself to you, you can keep me on. If I don't meet the mark, then that's okay. And so he said, okay, that's fine. That's great. So uh, one day a customer came in and we had this brand new video card that we wanted to sell. And uh, so I knew that I needed to sell him that card. But the unfortunate thing is that the video cards were up probably about three feet above my head. And there's no way I was going to be able to reach them. Okay. So I'm talking to the individual and I say, oh, what are you looking for? Well, sure enough, he was looking for a video card. So I said, oh, a video card. Well, actually, as luck would have it, we have this certain video card here. And all I did was gesture towards that card. I knew I couldn't reach that card, uh, but I gestured towards it. And without thinking, that person automatically used their reach to grab the card for me and bring it down and give it to me. Now it was in my hands and I could physically sell it to them. So I used their own ability 
to sell them, but I did it in an authentic way. I didn't tell them it was because it's the brand new card that we have and we were looking to sell it. I told them this is the one because it's got the most power, but the person didn't even realize I was using their own strengths to sell them a product. And you know, call that a surface value thing, but at the end of the day, they appreciated the fact that I was being real with them. Mm -hmm. That I told them that, yeah, it was a little bit more expensive, and to be honest with you, you could probably go to the store next to us and get it for a cheaper price. I've done some research. My manager would hate to hear that, but at the end of the day, that customer came back. And he came back, and he came back, and you know why? It's because I made a real connection with him. So I was utilizing his strength, I made a real connection with him, and I was creative about the way in which I did it, and he picked up on the fact that my energy and my authenticity was real, and that's why he came back. Mm. And no matter how you want to slice it, whether it's a phone call to a customer and trying to sell them real estate, or you're working at a, a computer store, Find those ways to do it. Be the real version of you and, and see what happens. And you know, you're, you're not always going to win. Sometimes you're going to strike out. And so what? Take a different approach next time mm -hmm. and see what happens. Yeah. We are in control of the number of times in which we do something and the number of times we re repeat something. But the things we love as humans is habit. And so what are you creating in your life to create more habit, whether it is good or bad? Right. Right. Well, I think to be good at anything, you just have to simply do it over and over and over again. And um, I think, um, the, you know, the challenge is, and, and I'm, let me just do this because I'm going to harp on it. I like to harp on it once a podcast. But the education system teaches you you have to get it right the first time. Right. And uh, in life, it's, it's actually the most successful people get it right on the fifth time or the seventh time or the tenth or the thousandth. Yeah. But they just, the reason why they're successful is they keep at it. But by the time they get it right the thousandth time, they start getting it right like 900 times out of a thousand because they get so good at it. Right. Yep. And the thing is, is I think, um, whenever we go and do something, if we don't get that immediate result, we think, Oh, I failed. Yep. But you only failed if you didn't try. That's the only <laughs> real failure. Yeah. You know, when like, if you go and you, uh, let's just say kick a soccer ball or whatever, and sure. you kick it at the net and you miss the net. You, you didn't, you missed the net. That did happen. But you kicked the soccer ball. You took an attempt, kick the ball again, kick the ball again. If you never kick the ball, every time you don't kick the ball and you thought to do it, you fail. Yeah. You'll never get any right? closer. And then eventually you start hitting the ball and you'll hit it in that corner every single time, yep. you know, and it's like that with life. It's like, if you want to date, go start approaching people, get rejected a hundred times. But you know what? By that hundredth time, you're going to start getting so good at it. Nobody's going to say no to you because you're going to start <laughs> to know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's finding, it's finding, finding your flow. Yeah. And a perfect example of that is Thomas Edison. When he was inventing the light bulb, it, he only actually successfully created the light bulb. Now, you know, I wasn't there to see this, but, you know, it's going off of historical information. 10,000 attempts. Yeah. So people always asked him, why didn't you give up after the 10th attempt, the 100th attempt, the 1,000th attempt? And because... He said, there is no such thing as failure because you always find 9,999 ways to not do something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, right? that's the thing, right? Is like every time you do it and it doesn't work, you realize that there's always something to learn from it. It's like, why didn't that work? Why, mm -hmm. why yeah. was what I did didn't, didn't allow that to work? Right. And I think um, we really want to look at like, what's the information that we have available to us? Sure. And only use that and not make up stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's another thing too, is I think sometimes people don't, something doesn't work out and they make it about this reason that they have no way to like calibrate. Yeah. Like the casting director doesn't like me. It's like, well, do you know that? Is that actually some verified information or whatever? <laughs> no. Well, you know, it's one of those, those, those tactics, one of those things that, you know, we, and, and this is for, for majority of us, you know, like we, we put ourselves in a, in a position of a victim, you know, because it, 
it just, it's sort of this weird sort of comfort to us in a weird way. Mm -hmm. But, um, there was something that you had said that I wanted, (laughs) that I was like, oh, I wanted like that. Oh no. That sparked something, but, um, uh. Well, he was talking about, he was talking about shots at the net and you never know unless you take the shots. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was not necessarily that, but it was, um, but it it was just this whole thing about, you know, when things, when you have these failures, you know, and when or quote unquote failures, right, yeah. um, when things don't go the way that you thought that they should have gone or what you didn't get the desired outcome that you wanted. Right. And you know, this whole thing of just like, well, how is this perfect? <laughs> right. How, how is this absolutely perfect? And that it's such a simple question, but it can oftentimes open up all sorts of creative things for you. Yeah. Um, which I think is so huge. It's like, it's a get creative about how you're looking at your life. Totally. You know, build, don't, don't tear down whatever's happening for you. Sure. Right. It's like, maybe there's a reason why that didn't work out. Yeah. And maybe, and, and when you're too stuck in this whole, this whole like mind game of, Oh, like this always happens or blah, 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 or whatever. You're not, it's like, no, you're not seeing it. You're not seeing the actual reality you're creating, you're manufacturing a story around all of this now, instead of seeing what it actually is, create a, create a more joyful story out of this. You know, like you said, it's like, Oh, uh, earlier you were talking about, you know, people saying it's like, Oh, well, you know, that's great for you, but I just lost my job and this and that and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, now you're all wrapped up in this whole negative Dis- like into a destructive place. Yeah. It's like, and taking that creative place instead and saying like, okay, well, why is it actually perfect that I lost my job? Mm-hmm. It's right. Like, it's like, oh, well I did actually hate it with like all my guts <laughs> and I didn't ever get to see my friends or family sure. ever. And it's like, oh, okay. So see, now it doesn't start to seem so bad. And it's just like, and you know what? I've always kind of wanted to do something like this. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, Yeah. He's like, you know what? I actually met a guy who did something like this Yep. and I've got their, you know, I've got their number or whatever. Right. And next thing you know, it's like the whole world has just opened up to you by just being like, how is this absolutely perfect? How is this exactly what was supposed to happen? And you change your perspective because of that, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I didn't say this to the, the listeners before, but when I left the game industry, it wasn't by choice. In 2010, as you know, I lost my job due to the recession, and 1,500 people at uh, Electronic Arts were let go. And uh, that was a huge blow. And I remember calling my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, and telling her the story of me losing the job, and I thought she was gonna be like, oh man, we're gonna struggle. And I saw, she started cheering over the phone. And I'm like, why are you so happy about me losing my job right now? And she's like, because it means you're going to be able to go out there and do the thing you were meant to do. And I truly believe that is to inspire people. And wow, what, a, what an eye-opener. Because it's not something that I ever thought of. I, I've done ambassador work for a lot of not-for-profits growing up because I'm a person with a disability. And those organizations helped me and my family growing up. But I never once thought that I would be able to turn that into a career. And Karen was my biggest cheerleader in saying, but why not? Why couldn't you? And so the biggest blessing in disguise was losing my job in the game industry. Because I'm not a quitter, so I never would have quit that job. Because I would say, yeah, but it's steady. Yeah, but is steady good? 
or is steady just fine? Mm-hmm. Steady is just fine when it comes down to um, creating a paycheck and to go and to tie this back into what you said about the education system, Brandon. We live in a world where the education system is starting to change was built around people being conditioned to be factory workers. Think about it. Yeah. We go into a school, we learn something, and we're taught to repeat that task. And repeat it. Repeat it again. Okay, great. Now repeat it one more time. So that when we're ready to go for our parents and our grandparents' generations, we can go and we can do a job working at a factory, doing some sort of assembly, creating something that isn't as abstract as some of the things we're creating today. Today... We live in a world uh, where literally kids are saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a YouTube personality. What the hell is that to most grandparents, right? (laughs) But today we have the ability to literally have our message delivered to millions of people in a moment's notice. This podcast, for example, we never would have been able to achieve this or get this content out as easily as we did in the past, or sorry, as we do today. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to do that in the past. Yeah. And uh, we need to realize that, as you said, you can learn so many things through the internet today. If you want to learn how to do basic plumbing, YouTube it. If you want to learn how to drive a car, YouTube it. Literally, I wouldn't suggest doing that. I'd say get your license <laughs> through the traditional yeah. way. But my point is is that we have this information technology at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. so what are you doing with I, the rest of your life? Yeah, I mean, I, I've taught myself. Like, I've been playing guitar for a number of years but like I wanted to learn how to play the blues I love this music and I'm like I, I want to know how to do this I literally learned everything I I now do which is most of what I base most of my playing on now mm-hmm. I learned all of that off of like YouTube see I learned all of it there you go. <laughs> see? so people I am not making this stuff up man get out there if there's something you want to do get out there and learn how to do it and you know what Follow the people in your life that you think are doing it well. Right. Right? Uh, I would never be a strong speaker if I didn't follow some of the TED Talks that I've seen in the world. Right. right? And I had the blessing back in, uh, in uh, 2013 to give my first TEDx presentation on adaptive technology. And the great story about connecting to people, and I'll make this very brief, is I didn't necessarily always have my, my foot in the, uh, in the industry of tech outside of being in the game industry. But um, here's a great story about social media and connecting. So one day I was looking through my Twitter and I saw that there was a company that was local to Vancouver called Reality Controls. And they started to follow me on Twitter. I was like, oh, that's interesting. It was just off the backs of me leaving the game industry. And I read what they do, motion-controlled technology, gesture-controlled technology using the Microsoft Connect. I was like, oh, that's really cool and interesting that they started following me, but they didn't say anything. Now, I could leave it at that and just leave them as a a silent follower, or I could follow up and say, hey, I want to learn more about what it is you do. I followed up with the marketing guy. He said, come for a coffee meeting. We met for a meeting. I found out that they were using the motion technology for something completely different. They were using it for potentially digital signage. So when you walk by something, it's motion controlled, and all of a sudden, oh, it triggers an ad, and then there you go. You're, You're in front of this ad. But I opened up to the CEO and this marketing guy and said, have you ever thought of using this motion technology to extend people's abilities? Uh, And by that, a person with a disability. Could you use motion technology to make something easier for them to reach or to trigger a switch in their house or make a smart home? Well, he said, well, no, but that's a really great idea, actually. Hmm. And so what started off as just a simple follow on Twitter, I could have left alone, turned into, hey, do you want to be our technology consultant? 
Sure, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> to, 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 hey, do you want to actually become a partner in this company? And so next thing you know, I'm a partner in this company. We're working on the elements of accessibility and other gesture technology. And through my work with the CEO and with Reality Controls, we had the opportunity to be part of a TEDx, TEDx Stanley Park back in 2013. And I never, ever would have been able to achieve on that topic alone had I not met Sean, had I not taken the initiative to say, this isn't just a silent follower. This is somebody that I can make an opportunity out of. And help them in the, in the process of helping myself, giving without expectation. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the expectation of being a TEDx speaker, but did I want to be a TEDx speaker as a speaker? Of course I do. But maybe this is the medium in which I could do it. Perhaps the Q principle is too abstract for some people to talk about at first. Maybe I can open the door by talking about technology, which is a little bit more easy for people to grasp and use that as a platform. And then there you go. Right on. Right? Yeah, that's great. You know, I was thinking about, because uh, we were just, uh, before we get totally off the school topic, you know, and you were <laughs> pointing out, and it's great to hear someone else say the things that I always say every podcast about industry and like how it teaches you to be industrial and just do a job. But um, I think what we need to do, uh, especially with with our generation, um, but people moving forward, uh, I know education is changing, and which I'm very happy about, but um, we need to forget a lot of what we think we know yes. and the way that we've been educated because the world set us up poorly because it taught us that we could succeed and be okay and have the life we wanted if we just did well at what it put in front of us. And it's just not the case. Right. Like if you got good grades and you did good at school and whatever, and you got your job, it doesn't mean you're going to be living the dream. And it doesn't mean you're going to open up many of the doors that you wanted in life. <laughs> and I think what we need to do, and it's a, it's a scary, scary idea, but remember laziness and fear hold hands. And I want to point this out. <laughs> is that if you are no longer scared to let go of what you think you know, you will also be no longer scared to let go of your laziness. That's right. Right? And you will be able to try and do something. And I think when someone loses their job, it really is a good thing. Because now, for the first time in your life, you're put in a place where you have to actually do something (laughs) outside of this little bubble we were all like kind of you know, built in. Right. Yeah. And then you get to see the world and you get to do something with that. Right. And I think you're, the question you pointed out, Evan, is important. It's like, why is this perfect? And I think it's perfect because whatever adversity you face is a great opportunity to let go of what you think, you know, relationship ends. You thought you knew it. You don't. Now you get a chance to, to figure it out again. You get to figure out for real. Right. Yep. Uh, you lose a job. You, you lose a family member. You lose something. And I'm not saying that these are good things, but they, they are opportunities for us to actually become who we're meant to be. You, know? you got it, man. I always say, don't wait for opportunities. Yeah. Cre- don't wait. Don't wait. <laughs> don't wait for them. Create them. Yeah, yeah. Don't wait. Create. Yeah. And create, that, you don't have to if, lose someone for you to see it. If there's one message I want people to walk away from this podcast today is don't wait, create. Yeah. It's simple. Yeah. Right. You can say, yeah, but I'm waiting for that perfect opportunity. Yeah. But that perfect opportunity is already waiting for you. <laughs> Yeah. You, you are that perfect opportunity. Yeah, yeah. you just gotta, you just gotta set the motion. And you know, to go back to manifestation and, 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 uh, all of these things, I really think it's important to, to mention to people that, you know, there's that book called the secret and it talked a lot about the law of attraction. It was one of those Oprah book club books. Yeah. The thing I didn't like about the secret and I read the book was it's great. This thing about, of, um, visualization and creating vision boards and all this stuff. What do you want to manifest in your life? That's step one. The thing it doesn't actually expand into is the actionable steps. 
Okay, so you put on your dream board you want a Ferrari. Do you know anybody with a Ferrari? Do you know anyone who's working at Ferrari? Well, maybe that's the first step you need to look at. What are you doing to get yourself closer and creating the action in your life that is making that one step closer? I, you know, I'll tell you guys, you don't have a picture of this, but I do have a couple gym boards in my room, uh, my office rather, and uh, I'll say this is my dream board, if I look at it now, there are pictures of Michael J. Fox, there's pictures of Rick Hansen, there's pictures of all these things that I created when I first started my business, and I'm proud to say that almost 98%, I would say, of the images that are on that dream board, I've achieved. And it's simply by having that vision board in my room, and I'm constantly looking at it in my, uh, what's hung up in my office there, and uh, I think to myself, like, wow, and it was because it was always subconsciously there, but I was taking the action in order to get myself closer. And uh, before we went on the air today, I, uh, I told you guys about creating a CRM system or customer relationship manager system, which essentially is, it can be anything for anybody. You can use software. There's tons of software out there for it. You can use an Excel document, which is what I do. And it, for me, it catalogs everything business related, but it doesn't have to be just business. You could do personal relationships. That might creep some people out, but whatever. Point is, is you, you catalog for yourself, whatever makes sense for you, the conversations you had with somebody, whether it's related to business or not, what are the bullet points you took away from that conversation? And uh, sort of what's the next step? So for me, I've broken it down by production opportunities, what have I done for work, marketing opportunities and emails, and then administration tasks for my business. And they're color-coded, you know, so I, I know, and it's great because at the end of the year, I can look through this Excel document and based on the colors in each row, I can see how much I've actually spent the majority of my time doing marketing tasks, just based on the color. Ba uh, administration tasks, production and work tasks. But the greater thing is, is I can literally uh, use the find function in my life to say, hey, I was talking to somebody about um, music video production. Okay, I don't remember his name offhand. I just came from a networking thing where this guy was like, I'm a new intern, I'm really looking to get into the music video production. I type in music video production because I labeled it in my Excel, that person's name pops up. Now I go, I have vested interest to give without expectation. I can now give this person's contact that I met that one time two years ago and say, hey, because I made an authentic connection with this person, it's not going to seem out of left field that you, somebody they've never met, says, hey, I was speaking with Marco Pasqua. You met him at such and such event, and he said you had a good conversation about X, Y, and Z. Do you think I'd be able to remember that exact conversation? No, but I made a bullet point in that little Excel that says we talked about this. And as soon as that happens, and now that person who's never met them can make that connection. And I'm actually drawing from a real experience in my life, uh, and especially to do with the music industry. I made that connection for somebody I met at the networking group. This guy was working with groups like Default, Nickelback, a bunch of local Canadian um, groups. I connected him with this person that was working with these large groups. He said, great, you're a brand new student. Would you like to start an internship here? And now this guy that I just met at a networking group has a full-time employment job at that connection, at that guy's place of work, simply because I remembered the one conversation I had with him. Mm -hmm. Well, it makes you invaluable. I mean, it makes you the person that, you know, now that you've done that for that person, I mean, you know, just the fact that you're doing that, you know, how much great things that creates in the world, right. you know, for people to come back and want to help you out, you know? Um, and, and I, I think like, that's a good example. I just want to share something smaller too. Like sometimes, 
um, you know, you can be with somebody and they're just having a tough time and you have their back or you don't leave them or you do something where you actually kind of show a bit of care. That can make a world of difference with that person, which can totally. change the entire trajectory of your relationship. You yep. know, you don't necessarily have to have the massive connection either. No. But I think what's important is that um, connections and the way we treat each other. And if we treat each other like we're long lasting people, like you're going to be someone that whether we talk every day or we don't, you're someone who is of value to me and I want to help you in your life. Yeah. You know, that behavior starts to, I think, create that behavior in other people in the way they look at you. Because sure. most people, in my opinion, my observation is that they have a very few collect group of friends where they spend a lot of time with, they care about, they think about. Sometimes it's just that one relationship that they're in and that's it. Yeah. And they don't really think about anybody else outside of that. They get no. very closed. So, most people, but if someone comes along and makes a real difference in their life, they might add one person or two people to their repertoire, even if they're not a real giver in their own life. But um, so, so for someone like yourself, who's a giver, you know, even if people don't have a big expansive circles, you'll be someone that stood out. And in their small circle, that will matter because if totally. they remember you, you know what I mean? It makes a difference. That's right. It goes yeah. back to uh, how do you want to be remembered when you die? You know, right. how do you want to be remembered? You're only as good as the last person. How do you want to be you? remembered while you live? Yeah. <laughs> good point, right? Good you point. <laughs> and, also, and also submitting yourself to the fact that not everybody's going to love you. No. no matter what you do, somebody's going to pick out something that they don't like about you. Yeah. And I, it took me a long time to get over that. And I still I think in some ways I'm still not over that. Because there's still going to be people that I love to please everybody as a giver. Right? And then yeah. I find out somebody's like, I don't like that Marco guy. He talks too much or whatever. <laughs> okay? And, and yeah. just saying, like, it's okay that they don't like me. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, it, that's a deep, like, sort of an untraining that, you know... I'm, is not just exclusive to you either. No, I mean, no. I think that I would say a majority of people, you know, deal with that. Yeah. Um, to your, of, you know, wanting to be, you know, liked to, to a degree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, just, just because there's this, th- this was something that, that I wanted to bring up earlier, just based on our conversation was that, you know, just because you have this, you know, you have this perfect thing that you really want to do, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you acknowledge that and you want to start to put these things into action. It doesn't mean that it's going to go perfectly no. either. Right. No, no. In fact, it's not going to go perfectly. There's going to be tons of challenges. There's going to be tons of, um, you know, personal and external things that, that you're going to have to come up against. But again, it's always like, how is, how is this still all perfect yep. in, in terms of getting you to where, you know, you want to go and, and it's, you know, really allowing yourself room for things not to go smoothly. Right. I think that's a big illusion that it's like when, when it all, when you know what you're, what it is that you're here to do, you know, when you know what your purpose is and, and what you want to do in the world that now it's all just going to be like smooth sailing. No. And it's like, no, because there's still so much that happens in there. Like even like for, for myself right now, like with, with the school, you know, like I've, I've been going over like, you know, like my website and all of our sort of materials about our, you know, our mission statement and this and that. Yeah. And the, and this is all just stuff that's happened over in the last couple of months where I'm looking at it and I go, 
I'm saying like, the, no, it's completely different now. Yes. What I want to do is, is so different. At mm-hmm. least it, for, to me, it feels that way. And this was stuff that I, these were all materials that I'd put together not long ago at all, less than a year ago. That's mm-hmm. right. And, but now I've just found a deeper connection, but I wouldn't have found that if I hadn't put those things in place first. Yeah. I mean, I mean right? they, like, they, they serve as a framework. Yeah. Right? And, and I think people need to know about, uh, about business plans is that they're like having a baby. You have to nurture it. You have to let it grow, but you also have to let it follow its own path. And it will tell you what it needs more of or what it needs less of based on people's feedback. And if you're not getting any feedback, then perhaps it means that you need less of everything that you've produced. And that's okay. It means to start from the drawing board again and, and, and reflect on yourself saying, well, maybe the message isn't resonating because it isn't the message that I ever intended, but you didn't know that at the time, as you're saying. Yo, and, and that's entirely what it was, was it's like the, the message that, you know, and, and who knows what's going to happen from this point, you know, mm-hmm. like I found a whole new message mm-hmm. behind what I want to do and, and put out there. Good. And it's, and it's way more exciting and I'm way more connected to that than I was before, even though I, I had a connection to that. Yeah. Now it's, you know, it, it actually has been, um, authenticity, this yeah. whole thing where it's like, you know, I, when I first launched the school, it was like to a large degree, it was like, okay, I just want to, I just want to pass on what, what was taught to me. And it was like, even to almost down to like, you know, I have these, um, you know, I have these quotes that I, I got like printed up and laminated and stuff of just sort of these like acting, you know, concepts or whatever, right. That I just put around in the classroom when I do a class. And, and a lot of those I got from, from my teacher. Right. Right. And I was looking at some of them. I'm like, you know, I'm not even super connected to some of these. And you know what? Now I actually, I want to do, I want to do my own anyhow. <laughs> right. Like it's, it's, but it's, it's been getting in touch with my own authentic voice, but sometimes you do have to go down that path of something that you, that somebody else did that you really connected to mm. and that to a degree, an emulation of it. Right. And then you kind of go through it and then you, you come out the other side and you're like, Oh, all right. I don't need all of this. That's and, right. And that coming back to the place of starting over again is a tremendous opportunity. Absolutely. And again, don't look at it as failure. Look at it as finding the things that truly speak to you, finding your authentic self and understanding that the quotes that work for your teacher don't necessarily work for you because they didn't fully speak to who you are as a creative individual. And that's okay, right? And you are going to be different than the person you were five years ago. You're going to be different five years from now, right? And you're building off of those things. And so I suppose for me, what I'll say is more of a final message to people is, again, remember the overall picture that you're trying to paint, (laughs) whether that's in your personal life or your professional life. Remain your authentic self throughout doing it. Reflect on the people that are in your life and how they can help you build towards that success. Because successful people, it depends on how you describe success. Success will be different for every person. And so if you look at success as money and fame, well, you probably find people that see the same thing that you do. But if you look at success as being able to successfully make incremental changes in your life, which lead you to a place of happiness, then you found it, 
right? And I think that that's what we should strive for. That authenticity, that leaving the mark, the not waiting to create, uh, but creating it yourself and creating it now. Action is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and just doing it. And don't, and don't ask so many questions because you'll find your answers along the way. It's good. Wow. Yeah. Do you want? Do you have anything you want to wrap up on your side? Or yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I really like what you're saying. Just like don't, don't wait and create. Like that was that. That's a jump out point for me. Um, and authenticity, of course. Just like, but, and, and yeah, I don't know. For me, it's like this whole this conversation has kicked off this whole thing of like, yeah, just, just put it out there. It's not going to be perfect, you know, and, but it will, it will lead you to what is next. Yep. It will always lead you to what is next, but you continue to create and, and don't allow the setbacks to be discouraging things. They're not, they're not actually there to discourage you. They are there to, to help guide you. They're there to focus you closer and closer into your authentic, to what your authentic path is. Got it. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> well, okay, and uh, for me, I guess the final thing I'd say, and I know we didn't say this in the podcast, but expectation is bullshit. You don't predict the future. <laughs> None of us do. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how things are going to play out. You might yep. have a total idea of exactly how things are going to go, and you'll be sure, and you have all the data to back it up, and then for whatever reason, it goes another way. So expectation is bullshit, and I think when we give true. or we do anything – we do really need to do it without expectation. Yep. I mean, you can have anticipation, you can have like sure. ideas, you can prepare yourself. Um, but, you know, I, I think, that, you know, ultimately the thing that I'm going to take away from all this is that, um, you know, don't use fear as an excuse to be comfortable. <laughs> if you're comfortable, recognize you're scared. I know I kind of pointed that out. <laughs> but, and, 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 and expectation is bullshit. And at the end of the day, what you got to do is you just got to go and do it and do it and do it until one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be good at whatever you're doing. That's right. And, and if you're not doing it and you're saying that you're looking for advice or you're looking for some better way to do it, that is also bullshit because it's like, (laughs) you know, unless you're doing it, you can't get better at it. You can't get better just in your mind. Yep. And I don't say can't about a lot, but you're right. Action's real. Yeah. You know, we got to take action in life and we got to try stuff out. And I think, um, you know, we got to break these old models of school where, where we taught that if we fail, we're somehow wrong or bad or less than or whatever. Right. I think you need to understand, and I want to say this um, as much to every viewer out there, is that every time you fail, you became better. Every time you, you failed, you actually grew as a person. Every time someone else didn't fail, they didn't do anything really. You know, because it's, it's about failure. Like life is about failure. We need to get up, stumble, fall, get up again, go again. And and this is how things happen. That's, that's what I would say. No, absolutely. It's never, it's never failure again because you learn something. Right. Right. So don't learn it. Don't look at it as that, as you say, you're always uh, becoming a stronger person as a result of what you've learned along the way. Right. Beautiful. Love it. And before we close things oh, up, this could be anti. This is kind of anticlimactic. No, no, it's good. <laughs> they get it right at the end. Um, but uh, this is uh, the red pilsner from Steel and Oak. It's been delicious. <laughs> it sure has been. So and cheers. As has the conversation. 
bin. There you go. Nice. Delicious. <laughs> All right. Well, till the next delicious one, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I've been your guest, Marco Pasqua, and uh, thanks, Evan and uh, Brandon, for having me be part of this. Well, geez, you you cap off our episodes more professionally than we do. <laughs> I like it. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, guys. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.